Act One of The Love Tiff by Moliere. Translated by Henri Van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personi. Erast in love with Lucille. Read by Nemo. Albert, father to Lucille. Read by Todd. Grove Rene, servant to Erast. Read by Roger Moline. Valère, son to Polydor. Read by Adam DeFord. Polydor, father to Valerie. Read by Larry Wilson. Mascarille, servant to Valère. Read by Thomas Peter. Metaphrastus, a pedant. Read by Alan Mapstone. La Rabière, a bully. Read by Lian Yao. Lucie, daughter to Albert. Read by Eva Davis. Ascanio, Albert's daughter in man's clothes. Read by Beth Thomas. Frosine, confidant to Ascanio. Read by T.J. Burns. Marinette, maid to Lucille read by sonia stage directions read by sandra schmidt the love tiff a comedy in five acts le dépit amoureux act one scene one erast gros rené shall i declare it to you a certain secret anxiety never leaves my mind quite at rest yes whatever remarks you make about my love to tell you the truth, I am afraid of being deceived, or that you may be bribed in order to favor a rival, or at least that you may be imposed upon as well as myself. As for me, if you suspect me of any knavish trick, I will say, and I trust I give no offense to your honor's love, that you wound my honesty very unjustly, and that you show but small skill in physiognomy people of my bulk are not accused thank heaven of being either rogues or plotters i scarcely need protest against the honor paid to us but am straightforward in everything as for my being deceived that may be there is a better foundation for that idea nevertheless i do not believe it can be easily done i may be a fool but i do not see yet why you vex yourself thus lucille to my thinking shows very sufficient love for you she sees you and talks to you at all times and valere after all who is the cause of your fear seems only to be allowed to approach her because she is compelled so to act a lover is often buoyed up by a false hope he who is best received is not always the most beloved the affection a woman displays is often but a veil to cover her passion for another. Belair has lately shown too much tranquillity for a slighted lover, and the joy or indifference he displays at those favors, which you suppose bestowed upon me, embitters continually their greatest charms, causes this grief, which you cannot understand, holds my happiness in suspense, and makes it difficult for me to trust completely anything lucille says to me i should feel delighted if i saw valere animated by a little more jealousy 
his anxiety and impatience would then reassure my heart do you as yourself think it possible for anyone to see a rival caressed and be as satisfied as he is if you do not believe it tell me i conjure you if i have not a cause to be perplexed perhaps he has changed his inclination upon finding that he sighed in vain when love has been frequently repelled it frees itself and wishes to flee from the object it was charmed with nor does it break its chain so quietly as to be able to continue at peace when once we have been fond of any one who influenced our destiny we are never afterwards indifferent in her presence if our dislike does not increase when we behold her our love is upon the point of returning again believe me however much a passion may be extinguished a little jealousy still dwells in our breast no one can see without feeling some pang the heart he has lost possessed by another for my part i do not understand so much philosophy i candidly believe what my eyes see and am not such a mortal enemy to myself as to become melancholy without any cause why should i try to split hairs and labor hard to find out reasons to be miserable shall i alarm myself about castles in the air let lent come before we keep it i think grief an uncomfortable thing and for my part i never foster it without good and just cause i might frequently find a hundred opportunities to become sad but i do not want to see them i run the same risk in love as you do i share in your bad or good luck the mistress cannot deceive you but the maid will do the same by me yet i carefully avoid thinking about it i like to believe people when they say i love you in order to be happy i do not try to find out whether mascarie tears the hair out of his head or not let marinette allow herself to be kissed and caressed by gros rene as much as he likes and let my charming rival laugh at it like a fool i will laugh too as much as i like and follow his example we shall then see who will laugh the heartiest that is like your talk but here she comes scene two marinette eraste gros rené hist marinette hello what are you doing there faith do you ask we were just talking about you are you there too sir upon my word you have made me trot about like a flunkey for this hour past how so i have walked ten miles to look for you and give you my word that what that you were neither at church in the fashionable walk at home nor in the market-place you may swear to that but pray tell me who sent you one in good truth who bears you no great ill-will in a word my mistress ah dear marionette do your words really express what she feels do not hide some ominous secret from me i should not dislike you for this for heaven's sake tell me if your charming mistress does not merely pretend to love me 
what has put that funny notion into your head does she not sufficiently show her inclination what further security does your love demand what does it require unless valere hangs himself or some such trifle he will not be reassured how so he is so very jealous of valere <laughs> a pretty fancy indeed it could only be hatched in your brain i thought you a man of sense and until now had a good opinion of your intellect but i see i was very much deceived have you also got a touch of this distemper in your head i jealous heaven forbid and keep me from being so silly as to go and make myself lean with any such grief your heart guarantees your fidelity besides i have too good an opinion of myself to believe that any other could please you after me where the deuce could you find anyone equal to me you really are right that is as it should be a jealous man should never show his suspicions all that he gains by it is to do himself harm and in this manner furthers the designs of his rival your distrust often is the cause that a mistress pays attention to a man before whose merits your own have paled i know a certain person who were it not for the preposterous jealousy of a rival had never been so happy as he now is but in any case to show suspicion in love is acting a foolish part and after all is to make oneself miserable for nothing this sir to erast i mean as a hint to you very well let us talk no more about it what have you to say to me you deserve to be kept in suspense in order to punish you i ought to keep from you the great secret which has made me hunt for you so long here read this letter and doubt no more read it aloud nobody listens erast reads you told me that your love was capable of doing anything it may be crowned this very day if you can but get my father's consent acquaint him with the power you have over my heart i give you leave so to do if his reply be favourable i can answer for it that i shall obey Ah how happy i am i ought to look upon you the bearer of this letter as a divine creature i told you so though you do not believe it i am seldom deceived in the things i ponder on erast reading the letter again acquaint him with the power you have over my heart i give you leave so to do if his reply be favourable i can answer for it that i shall obey if i should tell her you are weak-minded enough to be jealous she would immediately disown such a letter as this i beseech you conceal from her a momentary fear for which i thought i had some slight foundation or if you do tell it her say to her at the same time that i am ready to atone for my fit of madness with my life and would die at her feet if i had been capable of displeasing her
let us not talk of dying this is no time for it however you have laid me under a great obligation i intend shortly to acknowledge in a handsome manner the trouble so gentle and so lovely a messenger is taken that reminds me do you know where i looked for you just now well quite near the market-place you know where that is where did you say there in that shop where last month you generously and freely promised me a ring hm. i understand you what a cunning jade it is true i have delayed too long to make good my promise to you but what i said sir was not because i wished you to make haste oh no erast giving her his ring perhaps this ring may please you accept it instead of the one i owe you are only jesting sir i should be ashamed to take it poor shamefaced creature take it without more ado only fools refuse what is offered them i will only accept it so that i may have something to remember you by when may i return thanks to that lovely angel endeavour to gain over her father but if he rejects me should i we will think about that when he does so we will do our utmost for you one way or another she must be yours do your best and we will do ours farewell we shall know our fate to-day erast reads the letter again to himself marinette to gros René. well what shall we say of our love you do not speak to me of it if such people as we wish to be married the thing is soon done i will have you will you have me mm, gladly shake hands that is enough farewell gros René, my heart's delight farewell my star mm, farewell fair firebrand of my flame farewell dear comet rainbow of my soul exit marinette heaven be praised our affairs go on swimmingly albert is not a man to refuse you anything valere is coming here i pity the poor wretch knowing what i do know scene three erast valere gros René. well valere well erast how does your love prosper and how does yours it grows stronger and stronger every day so does mine for lucille for her certainly i must own you are a pattern of uncommon constancy and your perseverance will be a rare example to posterity as for me i am not very fond of that austere kind of love which is satisfied with looks only nor do i possess feelings lofty enough to endure ill-treatment with constancy in one word when i really love i wish to be beloved again 
It is very natural, and I am of the same opinion. I would never do homage to the most perfect object by whom I could be smitten if she did not return my passion. However, Lucille... Lucille does willingly everything my passion can desire. <laughs> you are easily satisfied, then. <laughs> not so easily as you may think. I, however may without vanity believe that i am in her favor and i know that i have a very good share of it do not deceive yourself believe me believe me do not be too credulous and take too much for granted if i might show you a certain proof that her heart but no it would too much distress you if i might discover a secret to you no, but it might grieve you, and so I will be discreet. You really urge me too far, and though much against my will, I see I must lower your presumption. Read that. Valère, after having read the letter. These are tender words. You know the handwriting? Yes, it is Lucille's. Well. Where is now your boasted certainty? Valère, smiling and going away. <laughs> Farewell, Aras. He is mad, surely. What reason has he to laugh? He certainly surprises me. And between ourselves, I cannot imagine what the deuce of a mystery is hidden under this. Here comes his servant, I think. Yes, it is he. Let us play the hypocrite to set him talking about his master's love. Scene four Erast, Mascari, Gros René. Mascari aside. No, I do not know a more wretched situation than to have a young master very much in love. Good morning. Good morning. Where is Mascari going just now? What is he doing? Is he coming back? Is he going away? Or does he intend to stay where he is? No, I am not coming back, because I have not yet been where I am going, nor am I going, for I am stopped, nor do I design to stay, for this very moment I intend to be gone. You are very abrupt, Masquerie. Gently. Ha! Your servant, sir. You are in great haste to run away from us. What? Do I frighten you? You are too courteous to do that shake hands all jealousy is now at an end between us we will be friends i have relinquished my love henceforth you can have your own way to further your happiness would to heaven it were true gros rene knows that i have already another flame elsewhere certainly and i also give up marinette to you do not let us touch on that point our rivalry is not likely to go to such a length. But is it certain, sir, that you are no longer in love, or do you jest? I have been informed that your master is but too fortunate in his amours. I should be a fool to pretend any longer to gain the same favors which that lady grants to him alone. Certainly you please me with this news, though I was rather afraid of you with regard to our plans. Yet you do wisely to slip your neck out of the collar. 
you have done well to leave a house where you were only caressed for form's sake i knowing all that was going on have many times pitied you because you were allured by expectations which could never be realized it is a sin and a shame to deceive a gentleman but how the deuce after all did you find out the trick for when they plighted their faith to each other there were no witnesses but knight myself and two others and the tying of the knot which satisfies the passion of our lovers is thought to have been kept a secret till now ha what do you say i say that i am amazed sir and cannot guess who told you that under this mask which deceives you and everybody else a secret marriage unites their matchless love you lie sir with all my heart you are a rascal i acknowledge i am and this impudence deserves a sound beating on the spot i am completely in your power ha Groronet. sir i contradict a story which i much fear is but too true to mascari you wanted to run away not in the least what lucille is married to no sir i was only joking hey you were joking you wretch no i was not joking is it true then no i do not say that what do you say then alas i say nothing for fear of saying something wrong tell me positively whether you have spoken the truth or deceived me whatever you please i do not come here to contradict you erast drawing his sword will you tell me here is something that will loosen your tongue without more ado it will again be saying some foolish speech or other i pray you if you have no objection let me quickly have a few stripes and then allow me to scamper off you shall suffer death unless you tell me the whole truth without disguise alas i will tell it then but perhaps sir i shall make you angry speak but take great care what you are doing nothing shall save you from my just anger if you utter but one single falsehood in your narration i agree to it break my legs arms do worse to me still kill me if i have deceived you in the smallest degree in anything i have said it is true then that they are married with regard to this i can now clearly see that my tongue tripped but for all that the business happened just as i told you it was after five visits paid at night and whilst you were made use of as a screen to conceal their proceedings that they were united the day before yesterday lucille ever since tries still more to hide the great love she bears my master and desires he will only consider whatever he may see and whatever favours she may show you as the results of her deep-laid scheme in order to prevent the discovery of their secrets if notwithstanding my protestations you doubt the truth of what i have told you grudenay may come some night along with me and i will show him as i stand and watch that we shall be admitted into a house after dark out of my sight villain i shall be delighted to go that is just what i want exit scene five Erast Grorene.
Well? Well, sir, we are both taken in if this fellow speaks the truth. Alas, the odious rascal has spoken the truth too well. All that he has said is very likely to have happened. Valer's behavior at the sight of this letter denotes that there is a collusion between them and that it is a screen to hide lucille's love for him scene six erast marinette Grourenet. i come to tell you that this evening my mistress permits you to see her in the garden how dare you address me you hypocritical traitress get out of my sight and tell your mistress not to trouble me any more with her letters that is the regard wretch i have for them he tears the letter and goes out tell me Grorony, what ails him dare you again address me iniquitous female deceitful crocodile whose base heart is worse than a satrap or a lestrigone go carry your answer to your lovely mistress and tell her short and sweet that in spite of all her cunning neither my master nor i are any longer fools and that henceforth she and you may go to the devil together exit oh, my poor marinette are you quite awake what demon are they possessed by what is it thus they receive our favours oh how shocked my mistress will be when she hears this end of act one